Hi guys, KO here. This is the second cast I have coming from PodMax Live, the digital conference, bringing entrepreneurs, inventors, basically varsity humans together with podcasters to converse on all kinds of things. On this cast, I have Timothy Dick. He is an entrepreneur, uh, businessman. He's had several successful businesses. We talk about his early childhood in a small town and then really wanting something more and feeling called to do something else. And the internet was basically his entrance to that next step. I really identified with a lot of what he said and his experiences being in the entrepreneurial space. Uh, he had some cash flow long before I did <laughs> as a young human. Uh, so it's, he has a really incredible journey. Uh, listen in. This is for anyone that's really looking for the big dream. How do we get out of the small town we're in and get to the next level? Listen all the way to the end when he talks about what he's up to now and what might be coming next on his entrepreneurial horizon. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today's a good day. We're doing something kind of fun. We are at PodMax, which this year is a digital podcasting conference with entrepreneurs, athletes, um, all kinds of, I want to say, business community leaders. Today I have Timothy Dick. We are going to talk about um, his journey, where he's at now. He's actually, we we don't know each other, which is also kind of cool. And if you listen to Turmeric and Tequila, these are some of my favorite conversations because none of it is planned. It's all super authentic and we don't know where the conversation is going to go. So uh, Timothy was giving, a, we were kind of waiting for somebody to give us permission to record this. <laughs> so now that we're recording, We'll jump in back to what we were actually just talking about, and we'll get into his bio. Uh, but we were talking about the ability to customize your branding and marketing journey, which is kind of what you should be doing in life in general. But before we jump back to that, Timothy, give us a little background on you. I know you were humble and introing with me, but give us, brag a little bit about yourself, because I saw your bio. You got some good stuff to talk about. Okay, cool. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, you know having me on it. Uh, Good to be here you know and like you said we're just now meeting but uh you know i like your energy and i think that uh this is going to be a good conversation um as far as me uh going um way back uh you know i was born and raised in a very uh rural small town in west virginia um it's uh it was essentially like a uh uh, the town was actually called Richwood because it was rich in wood. Our school mascot was a lumberjack, you know, so it was a very small town with most of the jobs there being wood and lumber and coal mines. Uh, my, my dad, uh, is a retired coal miner, you know, and generationally, you know, that had been in the family. No one was really entrepreneurial. Uh, I can say that I had a, you know, a great parents, a good, uh, childhood you know they did the best that they could yeah but you know it was still a rural depressed area and you know i would say that we were really middle class in that and it was an interesting interesting contrast because from a really young age i had no idea where i got it from but i always had this feeling of being different and this drive and I remember, you know, just always thinking, 
there has to be more out there, you know, and there's a better lifestyle. And it, uh, it's something that my parents didn't really understand. You know, they were trying to, uh, kind of, you know, protect me and just say, that's, you know, that's fine, but you know, you're probably going to be a coal miner or (laughs) something like that. You know, it's like, it's, that's just the reality, you know, that's the reality of there because it's, it's a great place, but there, there are a lot of people there that have never been out of the county their entire life. So, you know, I had, I had always had that happen, you know, had that drive, uh, you know, growing up and I got on the internet, you know, this was, late nineties, early two thousands. And that just, that was, you know, kind of at the peak of the internet boom. So I just dove in and was just, uh, kind of self-taught, you know, and, uh, I would actually at school, I would, uh, you know, finish my work early. I was always kind of the, one of the, I guess you would say like teacher's pet or, you know, whatever you would call it. And so I would finish my work early and they would let me use the computer, you know? And so a lot of that at school and then at home. And I realized that there were a lot of ways to make money online. Back then uh, it was just kind of self-taught. I started out doing uh, just computer repair, even in a small town, I just learned. And if there was something that I didn't know, I just, researched it until I did figure it out and you know I always thought you know worst case if uh I can't uh solve someone's computer problem then I just won't charge them for it so that was the worst that could happen so uh computer uh repair and then uh you know I had flyers up around town all that night this was in middle school uh and uh it was building up got into web design and this was the interesting time where if you could make a website that had moving text on it or anything like that i mean people would pay thousands of dollars just for one page scrolling text site so how how old were you at this point what like what was first project i I was like 14 15 okay so like what is that that freshman year uh it actually was um in middle school Oh, when shoot. I started, okay. you know, okay. so it, it was a little bit before that, but it really did start accelerating as I got into, you know, high school. And obviously being from uh, the area that I was in a small town, you know, the entire high school uh, was very small, you know, it only had, uh, I mean, there were less than 200 kids in the entire school. So, uh, you know, that was uh, another thing that, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to uh, spend a lot of time working, um, learning, and getting my, you know, finish my, finish my work, go to the computer, you know, and work from there. And so the, the web design led into um, web hosting because I really like recurring income. And I realized back then it was, it was uh, still really new, the concept, but you could get a reseller web hosting account and then you were basically, so a web host is kind of like, I always say on the internet, um, you know, you're connecting to a website that's on a server somewhere mm-hmm. or, you know, in the cloud, which is a bunch of servers and the, uh, um, a web host is someone that maintains those servers and provides that. And a reseller, a 
account with web hosting back then meant that you could buy uh, an account and you would you know be allocated a certain amount of this space and resources and everything and then you could subdivide that out and sell to other people so that was a natural flow from building a website to doing that and uh, so basically um, you know I just kept building that and I had a nice little six-figure business and uh, in high basically school from freshman year on uh, wow. did your parents you know, really know what was going on no well they knew about it but they they didn't know what it was happening exactly okay. they knew something was going on and there was uh you know out of like trying to protect me there were a lot of questions about like why are there money orders showing up and where is all this you know like what are you coming from what are you doing online exactly <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say what because you don't understand i mean i work with companies now in 2020 and i'm explaining social media so i'm like okay i mean it's a lot if you don't get it at all i mean it's a lot and i've I know I'm not the tech side at all. I've, I've learned a little just because I've had to and I have to manage some of my own stuff, but that's not my, you know, forte. So I, I empathize when you're trying to explain this to people, let alone parents, you know, 20 years ago. Did, did you understand the business side, like as far as like taxes and, you know, LLCs and everything prior? Yeah, I kind of had to, I just had to learn it, you know, yeah. and that's, that's one of my big, uh, big things is, uh, you know, I, I'm really big on resourcefulness and you know I think that's been one of the things that and everything that I've done you know has really um, helped a lot because it's just something that I don't know I think that there are some people that they'll look at you know kind of assess what they have to work with and figure out a way to make it work yeah and that's what I think I've always done um, and so it was interesting that most of my most of my clients then like had no idea you know how old i was and you know they were paying me like lots of money but you know then uh it you know they had no idea but my parents were they didn't use computers then and this was obviously before even google you know i mean so it was like that far back yeah back then we were using like uh um lycos and yeah all these companies that are like out of business now and uh so what happened is you know i ended up uh the deal that i have with my parents was that uh you know i had to finish high school and then uh i could move and leave because one of my motivations at the time i was just like i just want to get out of this area it's just yeah. i don't like it you know there's not much here i want to move to a city um, so at 17, uh, finished high school early, um, kind of tested out of a lot of things and was able to, you know, get out early and move to, um, the Northern part of West Virginia, which was, uh, a little bit less, uh, less rural, a little more urban. And, uh, so I was 17. Um, my parents for, for whatever reason would not let me get a driver's license. Uh, and it was interesting because I always argued that I can buy my own car, and, you know, and <laughs> all that, I, you know, but I think looking back, it was just a, I, I really think that part of it was that my parents felt like they were losing me yeah. in a way, 
you know, and that was just something that, you know, would help. So after, obviously after graduating high school, they're like, okay, you can get your driver's license down. Um, but so I moved to my first, you know, first apartment on graduation day. Okay. Uh, you were ready to go. Literally, you went straight from ceremony into already had the apartment set up, ready to go. Uh, you know, and I've lived alone, uh, you know, in another city and okay. I, you know, I had to figure a lot of things out, but it, uh, it, you know, was something that I just kind of naturally did. Um, continued in the web hosting industry and, uh, was only, I only lived in, lived there for, I don't know, maybe a, a year, uh, maybe less. And then, uh, I had, uh, connected, uh, with people back then the, you know, the social networking, uh, we had message boards. Okay. So there were industry message boards. Is this like MySpace era? Like <laughs> this was before that. So, before that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay. so there was one in particular, uh, that was like a web hosting industry one Got that, it. you know, there were a lot of people active on and, uh, you know, I had met some people and, uh, uh, one of them, uh, you know, wanted me to, they basically offered to, uh, merge, you know, my smaller web hosting company into theirs. And then, you know, I, at 19, um, moved to upstate New York and became the, uh, senior VP of business development for the company. Where and, in New York, if that'll mind me asking? Uh, right outside of Albany. Oh, okay, okay. So I have tons so, of friends, lax kids, so they're all East Coast, Northeast. Yeah, we were in uh, in Saratoga County. Okay, okay. My brother so, played lax at Cornell, so we've spent a little bit of time up there. Okay, cool. Yeah, but, yeah. It's snowy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, so that was that was kind of you know my uh, time away from home. And it's and going back to my parents. It's interesting because even then, that was like you know, my parents had never flown before I oh, had, but they hadn't and because they just thought, you know, they would always just say flying is dangerous and things. And now they're good. You know, they, they're, they're good, but, uh, they would drive up, you know, and it was, they would drive up to visit, you know, and I'm like, why don't you just fly? And, you know, and it was, but anyway, uh, you know, so I, I was there, um, the issue there, I learned so much. I learned a lot about dealing with other people, uh, dealing with other people in uh, ways like there were a lot of um, things that I guess you would say are were bad experiences at the time, but were actually good because I learned so much from them. Yeah, and uh, I just didn't really agree with the. Um, owner of that company his approach to running things he uh he was a little bit of a party animal college oh, kid uh you know like th th let's just say that uh you know i had the one one example was uh you know, he played hockey for uh, one of the suny schools and uh okay you know the hockey team had a bar tab built to the company and things like that you know and, and like there were just some in interesting times. Hmm? Was he still in college while all this was happening? Yeah. Basically just to play hockey, though. But he oh. actually, uh, <laughs> I know for a while he was, like, trying to pay someone to go to class for him. Just, he just wanted to play hockey. Okay. So, 
But anyway, uh, we we disagreed a lot because he, I just thought he was really immature. And, uh, you know, I just said, this is crazy because I was like, uh, I was much more rigid and conservative then. And it's funny to look back now at some of the, like, you know, the emails and letters that were so formal back then, yeah. you know, compared now of lightened up a little bit. But, uh, you know, they're, they, you know, they were a webbison company. They, you know, did decently well. Um, but, you know, I was just not, um, we didn't, we didn't mesh well, you know, and it was kind of at a point where, you know, he, he was like, he wanted to, to fire me, but I did so much that that would be hard to do. And I was getting paid enough money that I could tolerate him, you know, but yeah. So anyway, finally we had our uh our last blow up and uh uh ended that and then um I on the same message board uh reached out, met uh uh Brent Oxley who was founder of Hostgator. Uh he had just started Hostgator was I think maybe two two years in. And you know, st still very small. Where was their age uh, or base? What was the... Where were they located at? Oh, they were in uh, South Florida, in Boca. Okay, okay. And... I'm surprised uh, you weren't, like, the, these hubs weren't more like New York City, LA, uh, like, big cities. You know, I mean, there's the Silicon Valley ecosystem, but, okay. you know, in terms of, uh, like, in terms of, like, other uh, tech companies, I mean, there's always been a lot of tech companies in other places. They're just not as visible. Gotcha. So, so, you know, after all that ended there, um, you know, Brent and I, I talked and he just said, Hey, do you want to, uh, come to host skater? I th things are growing so fast. I can't keep up. Can you, I know, you know, the industry, um, I don't really know what you're going to do, but can you come down and, you know, and then it's like, what do you want your title to be? What do you want to do? You know, and, uh, I get that. I get that down there and we had this you know tiny little office space in a strip mall and we were in the same the two of us and two other people were in the same office and um at the time you know the company was small and then um we grew it um very rapidly uh we realized very fast that um hiring in south florida and boca particularly for customer service jobs in a tech company yeah. is not not really the best <laughs> uh you know and high cost of living you know all of that and uh you know generally uh, a retired population is not tech savvy so um we moved to houston about a year later and we uh it was really crazy the feeling um you know i was at the time i guess 20 he was 23. Wow. And uh, we moved to Houston um, mainly because low taxes, uh, real estate was uh, cheap there, and uh, South Florida was still kind of in the bubble, the real estate bubble. So okay. it just seemed like a good move. And there was also um, a lot of uh, a large pool of technical employees there. So we had this 1,500 square foot strip mall office that 
we were overflowing. I mean, we had like 20 plus people in there rotating in shifts, but you know, like it was, it was crowded, you know, and uh, it, it was something. And then when we went to Houston, we bought a 35,000 square foot building right off the bat. And so we literally moved from our little 1500 square foot strip mall space to this building. And it was kind of like, I remember, uh, uh, you know, when Brent, the founder of HostGator, uh, and myself and one other person, Lance, we were basically at the time his, uh, you know, his right hands, we all went out and getting things set up. And when we were taking over the building, it was, it was just surreal. It was like, this is so much space. We're, we're never gonna, never gonna run out of space. Like, you know, there's, there's just so much here. And uh, it was a four story building. Um, there were, there was a credit union on the first floor tenants on the second that paid the mortgage and we had two floors for us. So, you know, we filled it up and it was a fun time because we were in a super high growth mode and it actually just happened to be that during that growth period, that was like when the most explosive growth happened at HostGator, we were in the, um, recession from the housing crash oh so when was so, this early 90s still no this was uh this was uh 2000s so oh, I was okay. in, uh, 2000 early early 2000s i think it was like 2005 six okay. right before the housing crash gotcha. and uh so it say. was interesting to me you know I, I bring it up because like you know a lot of people um get really worried about you know, are we going into recession or not? And I, you know, I think uh, looking back, like, I just remember um, I knew that we were in a recession and it was obviously all over the news, but we were just focused on our business, you know, and we did really well through it. But we ended up, uh, long story short, just kind of filling the fourth floor, filling the third floor, not renewing tenants. And then the next thing we knew, we, at one point we were hiring people just because we were growing so fast. Yeah. Um, basically it was kind of like, come in, take a typing test. If you can type fast enough, you're hired, you know, and uh, eventually quality control we had to, we set up, we had like a whole class structure where you had like a few weeks of training and pass that and do all that. But we, it was interesting because none of us really had we weren't old enough to really have a corporate background right and so, maybe those people were, were i don't know if you feel but were you managing people like around your age like because that's a whole other dynamic when you're that young even if you it, know it, it yeah it was a mix we had people okay. that were our age and then we had people that were like twice our age yeah. you know and uh it was because you know like i said at the time i was you know 20 when we first started so 20 20 early 20s and the primary founder was three years older we have the same birthday just three years apart and oh. so we we didn't have any uh corporate background so we didn't know a lot of the quote-unquote rules of corporate you know and the ways to do things yeah which is probably we also didn't have any investors or any outside funding any debt it was just all organic growth and things were 
booming. So we didn't have influences like that. So we just really focused on providing good service. Um, very obsessive over customer service, you know, support, hold times. We had, uh, uh, you know, a couple hundred people there within, you know, the first few years. And eventually, uh, you know, the founder, Brent, of Hostgator had said, you know, everything's really good. Um, but why don't you start something else? Because I want to diversify. And so can you please just start something else? I'll invest in it. I just want a minority stake. Go do something else. It's like, I'm not saying you have to. You can still be involved with those skaters, you know, however you want. But I just want to diversify. And so um, I started a voice over IP uh, phone service um, back in 2000. This would have been 2006 because um, we're now 14 years old, still have that company now. Um, and he invested the first million dollars uh, into that company. And so as it grew, um, you know, and it was becoming more of a need of my full-time attention, I just kind of phased more out of HostGator and um, really was just kind of a, a uh, you know, I would get selectively involved on like, kind of like more as a consultant or like, like when we were negotiating a large deal or something. But I started VoIPO, uh, the voice for IP service. This was before the iPhone. Okay. So, you know, everything was very different. And uh, Vonage uh, was really the only player at the time. Um, but it was one of those things that I wanted to go in that direction because the entry barrier was a little higher and web hosting is very good, um, very profitable, but, uh, you know, like we had to spend for uh, building a phone network nationwide, we had to spend, you know, seven figures before we even started. So, you know, had that chance, started it. And then, uh, once it started, uh, after the first couple of years, it started taking off. And I, I said, you know, I'm kind of, I'm pretty much phased out of HostGator at this point. Uh, you know, I have Voipo uh, going, well, I really don't like Houston, you know, and uh, so that's I ended up moving uh, out to Southern California in Orange County, and that's where I've been for the last 10 years. And uh with, you know, with Voipo, uh, it's something that, you know, I really love uh, SaaS and, you know, there's recurring revenue. And it's something that we, uh, we provide phone service and messaging, texting, things like that for businesses. So like, uh, you know, call center in a cloud phone systems, but also uh, a huge amount of just residential lines. You know, and it's a lot of people think, well, you know, do people still use that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. A lot of people actually. Um, We have uh, a very large, uh, like, base of people that are seniors or they have kids. And so, you know, it's easier for, for kids and, you know, the family to use like a regular phone versus you know like 
an iPhone or something. And, and, and then in businesses, obviously there's been, uh, we can deliver like huge cost savings, but also there's been the trend, especially now of we need a remote workforce. So, you know, we can basically set them up in the cloud so they don't have to maintain phone equipment and then they can just send IP phones or, uh, their employees can use an app, you know, whatever from anywhere. So, um, that business, uh, did well, uh, you know, I was on the Inc. 5000 list, uh, you know, it grew pretty fast. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a boring, stable industry though. <laughs> Telecom, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really good. And that, you know, it's their subscription, it's all subscription. And, you know, so the revenue is consistent, but, uh, you know, at some point, you know, it was kind of a, I wouldn't say it was automated, but it was, uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of in a way. And, uh, at also at some point along the line, HostGator, um, ended up being sold to another, uh, company. They were very, they were a large, uh, investment company that their strategy was essentially to acquire all the major players in web hosting that they could. Um, GoDaddy was one of the only ones that they couldn't, and they spent billions doing it. And uh, who was so, it? What I know. Um, well, their their corporate name is Endurance. Okay. Uh, and they're public. They're a public company now. But what what they've done is, you know, they acquired all these web hosting companies, and uh, basically, if you look at like a review top ten web hosting type site they own eight or nine of the brands. Wow. No one, they just keep the, it appears to be completely unrelated, but behind the scenes, everything's the same. So it's like the part of their business model is if you leave one company, more than likely you're going to go to one of their others and not even know it. And, uh, that's called a, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I was, you know, watching how all of it played out. I mean, you know, I just, I just haven't uh, wanted to sell Voipo, you know, the phone company, um, because, you know, I've like, with that emphasis on really having uh, good customer service and actually always doing the right thing for our customers and being open and working with them, I, I learned that, you know, as companies are acquired and things become more corporate, that that doesn't always remain. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of kept, you know, kept uh, Voipo, you know, on uh, an automated path. And uh, I was kind of starting to get a little bored. <laughs> yeah. So that's when I, I just kind of started exploring uh, uh, different angel investing opportunities uh, uh, on a fairly small level, but I had a couple wins. Uh, Zenefits was one. Uh, you know, so Zenefits, Weavors, uh, Postmates, there were a few small investments that, um, did really well, uh, mostly on paper because some of them I'm still waiting for them to exit so I can cash out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I did that and, and it just exposed me to different industries, right? So then we got into consulting, um, or I got into consulting and, uh, it was really just because I didn't want to necessarily start another business. Yeah. 
in terms of like building from the ground up, but I wanted to be able to dive into different industries and different problems and work with different people. And so I was doing a lot of consulting and, uh, one of the things that we ran into a lot, you know, the consulting varied a lot, you know, anything from strategy to, uh, you know, raising capital. Uh, sometimes it was advising on sales, uh, but a lot of it was marketing. And um, I, I really, over the years, I had gotten away from the technical side of things yeah. into business, and I love the business side. So I know enough about the technical side to talk about it, but not enough to, I'm not like a programmer or anything. Yeah. So uh, marketing was one of those areas. I just, I loved marketing and with all the new marketing tech and options and, you know, like machine learning and stuff that was coming out, you know, I started diving into that again and it kind of reignited things. And what I was seeing with consulting clients uh, over and over and over was that they had really bad marketing and a lot of it was just that kind of like what we were talking about right before we started recording they uh, were either they had an agency that maybe the agency was a Facebook agency so everything the agency did was you know, obviously based on Facebook and, you know, it's Facebook ads are great. We manage, a, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in Facebook ad spend, but it's just one piece of the marketing ecosystem. You know, there's like over 1200 ad networks out there. So one of the things with, uh, when I started that company profit layer, uh, we, uh, the, the idea was that basically you can layer things together and build a custom solution for people and get much better results because every, everything can work if you force it to work. But in order to get like your costs down, you, you might need to um, blend together, you know, Google ads and Facebook and uh, dare I say it even, Offline marketing, podcasts, uh, PR, you know, speaking at like a local local chamber of commerce, yeah. you know, I mean, all of that works and people, people are like, no, you know, that guru said that I just need to do X and yeah. it's like, they sell a course on that, don't they? Yeah. And uh, so we, we just built this reputation pretty quickly with, uh, with running, uh, you know, traffic, we would have people that would come in and it's like, I'm doing well, but I'm spending, you know, 50 grand a month on ads. Uh, and then we would go in and do an audit and be like, Hey, only like 20,000 of that ad spend is doing anything for you. The rest is coming from your speaking and podcasts and things like that. Yeah. Because we, we went in and one of the things is like, we're super big on tracking analytics and compliance because um we don't deal with like vanity metrics you know because it's kind of like it doesn't matter if your lead cost keeps going down yeah if they're less qualified right right you know so you we go in and you know we 
we just do a lot of things with that. And so we've been really fortunate to um, work with clients in a lot of industries. You know, we work with small clients and larger, but, you know, some of some of uh, more notable ones are Jay Abraham, the Abraham Group. Jay has some amazing courses online that are really timeless concepts and principles. But, you know, they uh, were, were never really promoted online much because, you know, he uh, he's a little more old school. So right. uh, we um, have the rights to promote all of their products uh, online. Um, we work with uh, Harv Ecker, Jesse Ecker, uh, Steve Sims from Blue Fishing. Like we just got all of these like really incredible clients. A lot of them in the coaching, marketing, uh, speaking spaces, but then also other businesses, everything from fertility to mental health clinics to uh, a lot of fitness pros, uh, gyms, <laughs> a little bit of everything. So that's kind of what I do now, you know, and I really focus on, I love it because um, for the most part, you know, I get to focus on like really strategy and optimization looking at the results and I have a really amazing team uh, within the agency um, division that uh, they're like top of their game I actually kind of um, I guess you would say recruited them from yeah. another company and <laughs> they uh, uh, you know they're they have ran uh, traffic for a lot of the big name gurus as well. So, and it's really interesting. One thing I'll say on that is like the thing, a thing that drives me crazy, the gurus that are teaching one thing and talking about certain results. And then we see their ad accounts and their reports. And a lot of times they're not doing what they're teaching. Yeah. Or they're doing a little bit of it, but what's actually getting them the results is something else. And they're leaving that out. Or, you know, they're talking about, you know, I had a, uh, you know, a seven figure launch. Well, you know, they kind of left out the part about spending $800,000 to get that. Well, this, I mean, that sounds like politics to a T, which I mean, is also business and yeah. I mean, a whole other podcast, but, um, oh man, we, we got started so late and there's so many things I want to go, um, on this. And I, I loved your journey. What I really loved about it is it sounds like your parents almost had like the most important role, really instilling all these core values, um, that you had led. Cause I, I, I could not agree more. I love that you were a young human and saw this power and customer service. Cause I think that's what it's all about. And right now regardless of what industry you're in taking care of the consumer is so huge and i think the biggest miss like you just said is diversifying um not only your funds as a, as a business owner but um your approach to what you're doing and customizing what you're doing because i think these big agencies and bigger conglomerates that have always done it a certain way they don't understand the consumer our young people like yourself, myself somewhat uh are so smart and they live in all these different capacities um, but man, there's so many things I want to talk about. I hate that you only have five minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would, uh, you know, love to, uh, connect and come back, you know, and we can dive in more, but you know, I know That's that was kind of like a long, uh, overview, but, uh, kind of gives you an idea. And, uh, you know, I think that there, there's some, uh, 
some more that we can definitely dive into. You know, let's let's definitely do. let's part on this. So, and since you've done all this and you've done such big things at such a young age, you've moved, you've you know bought and sold companies. I mean, the the money's come in. What is genuinely at this point super exciting to you? That's a that's an interesting question. You know that I I go through a lot, and I think that uh, one of the the only way that I can really answer that is that um, I really, you know, enjoy the the freedom to be able to explore and genuinely uh, dive into businesses and help business owners and people um, solve problems because so many people, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, mindset and stuff that someone that is new to business may be having a little bit of a struggle with something like marketing and then they don't realize that that is normal it's part of the process and then being able to go in and say that's that's normal and yes you do have permission to do things like ask for referrals and you know go out and uh speak you know don't uh don't let other people dictate what you're going to do and uh really helping them break through those barriers to get better results. Um, I just really enjoy it. Like, you know, like it's my, my hobby is really just like studying business, uh, psychology. I, mean, I see all the books right okay. back here. I mean, this is, <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, have you done anything on the nonprofit side? Like have you, cause I mean, I know there's a lot that's coming in when you get busy, but having the ability to give back is so powerful in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just having money, obviously, keeps but the time managing all this. Have you done any of the philanthropic side of things? I've not done a lot publicly. I've done a lot privately. Um, you know, like uh, one example is that my hometown had a uh, thousand-year flood a few years ago, okay. and uh, there were some very shady politics going on in regards to rebuilding and uh, things like that, and I. I kind of went in and uh, funded a little bit of a, uh, you know, a battle to do what was right for that. Um, and I also uh, have a lot of friends and uh, connections that are um, in the military or veterans that um, I do a lot of work with, uh, with them kind of privately to help, uh, help them um, transition you know, out of the military into building a business and just showing them that, you know, you don't have to necessarily transition to a standard job. You can, you can really build a business and especially with applying the skills that you have. So yeah, I do a lot privately, a lot with like veterans, military, uh, first responders, and, uh, then also, you know, with my hometown and just, uh, showing people that there is opportunity out there. That's amazing. And that's, I mean, that's everything I try and highlight on this show is our, what I call my graceful disruptors. We're coming in and just kicking down the walls and bringing some transparency to things. And I absolutely love that you've got in on the backside of, uh, cause the small towns, you know, I mean, you know how that goes. There's it's oh, new people yeah. running very antiquated systems that don't want to change. Um, so I love that you're going down and kicking walls. Cause that, I mean, then you get into like generational wealth and I mean, you're really disrupting, you're putting a ripple in the pond for the long term. And that is, yeah, so- it, cha- it can change lives, you know, like with some of the, the kids there, you know, with, uh, the flood and all of that, it was about rebuilding the schools and the community. 
And, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, there's so many kids there that they, in a way, already are at a disadvantage yeah. um, based on, you know, the poverty levels there and things like that. And they deserve to have a uh, good school, you know, at least, and to, you know, be able to have uh, opportunities because, um, you know, I was a product of the same schools, you know, and came from there and the community and it's just full of great people. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, really like, uh, you know, helping out, helping out there. That's huge. That's, that's amazing. Um, Oh, I wish you had more time. Well, I'll, I'll get your email and we'll recast again because there's so many angles I'd want to go off this. And uh, mainly I just love that just like what you just said, you can put yourself in a position regardless where you came from to be successful and then go back and further facilitate, you know, uh, opportunity for, for young people to kind of make their journey their own way and not have to do the rest. Absolutely. Of and dude, congratulations yeah. on all your success. I, I love seeing uh, the give back, obviously, but then you kicking down all these doors. Oh yeah, thank you. And yeah, I listened to um, a few episodes before uh, yesterday, like doing a little research. Love, love what you're doing. Your energy as well. So thank you. Um, definitely happy to connect again and uh, put some things together. I love it. All right, keep fresh, and we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host Kristen Olson. Tune in next time, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.